Welcome to the Teach Strong podcast. My name's Sam Hart. I'm a primary school teacher on a mission to help school staff discover truly effective approaches to well-being. And this podcast is a platform for me to bring you the knowledge and experience of real experts who can break down the research and the tools that we can apply to our everyday lives to feel happier and healthier. My guest today is Eileen Adamson. Eileen is a money coach and the founder of the Your Money Sorted podcast. Through her work, she is on a mission to help teachers improve their financial well-being, allowing them to live happier, healthier and wealthier lives. Enjoy the conversation. Okay, let's jump into a really practical question straight away. Say an average member of staff took home £2,000 after tax this month. What do you think, someone with your experience and the work that you do, what do you think is a healthy way to be spending that money? The kind of the proportions, the percentages. Um, Yeah, tell me what you think. That is a brilliant question. I absolutely (laughs) love that question because it's a question that people don't really often think about. It's something that people find really difficult to know. And often people are perhaps overspending on one area in their life, but they don't actually realise that that area is causing them a problem. So what I like is the 50-30-20 budget plan. Now, I prefer not to call it a budget plan. I prefer to call it a spending plan because that sounds a wee bit more free. It sounds as if you're making a choice, whereas a budget sounds like somebody's telling you what to spend. So 50, 30, 20 spending plan. And what it, the way it works is that the, it was, there was research done to show that it's a good method of allocating spending to allow you to have a kind of decent life, but also to allow you to build security for the future, which is really important, and to have a kind of financially secure position all the time. So it suggests that no more than 50% of your net income should be spent on your needs. So obviously that's your housing, your um, travel, your food, etc. 50%, no more than that. 30% is for wants. And so that's just anything that you don't need and anything that you would like in your life. Um, And the remaining 20%, now in an ideal world, that should be for savings for the future or savings for particular things that you want in life. Um, Often, it also includes debt repayments. So if you're in debt, then you shouldn't really be spending more than 20% of your net income on debt repayments. Now, having the 50% wants, needs, 30% wants, 20% savings would allow you to live a financially secure life. But what do you do with it? How do you find out? So what you need to do is you need to look at your spending for the last month and you need to work out where are you with that? Um, and how does your net income um, fall into those three categories? And we'll talk a wee bit more about that um, later on and how you can do that. Um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of the kind of spending that I would recommend to allow mm. you to live a financially secure life. Yeah, I like that. It, it is a rule that I've come across before, the 50, 30, 20 rule. Um, easy to remember, makes sense to me. Um, I guess maybe people listening might be thinking a couple of things. Perhaps they're thinking 
20%, I'm not sure I'm in a position to be saving 20% of my income, maybe only 10%, maybe only 5%. That can be a challenge, especially at the moment, can't it? And then perhaps people are thinking, the 30% on the wants, where, where, where do needs and wants, um, there, there can be a bit of a blurry boundary, can't there? There are some very obvious things that are our needs, like you said, rent, bills, council tax, that kind of thing. But then there are other things that, yeah, are they, are they a want or are they a need? And that could be quite a, a philosophical question, can't it? Absolutely. And these are the questions that you've got to ask yourself. Um, And if you want to be financially secure, you've got to sit down and look at these things and you've Mm. got to make decisions. And sometimes decisions are quite hard to make. Sometimes you're having to actually go, all right, okay, yep, that I'm going to need to stop buying that just now. Um, And yes, when we're talking about the savings as well, it is difficult to save just now and for many people it is difficult but often the people that I'm working with once they've done this type of makeover and we'll discuss another makeover later on that'll help as well Mm. um, but once we've done this type of thing you can actually see and pinpoint where the biggest issue is so for example if you look at your net income and discover that your needs are way, way, way more than your 50%. It's about asking yourself big questions. And sometimes that question is, am I living in a house that's too expensive for me? Sometimes it is, am I spending too much on travel to my work? Do I need to find a new workplace? Mm-hmm. Um, it's sometimes maybe, have we got two cars and we don't need two cars? Are we paying up a car that we could actually get rid of that car and perhaps have a much cheaper car? It's big questions and they're not easy. And they're not easy to sit down and and actually make these decisions. But it is so freeing and so helpful when you actually do. Yeah, big questions. And I suppose questions that people don't like to be asked or don't like to be confronted with that truth, do they? That maybe we're under, overspending in certain areas and underspending in others. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, to talk to someone about the car that they've got, the house that they've got, to talk about downgrading, but maybe lose, use that term very loosely. Um, yeah. But again, this is this is kind of linked to consumerism, isn't it? It's linked to, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Are, are we living in this house? Are we driving this car? Are we doing other things just to keep up rather than, like you say, um, get, gaining that financial freedom, gaining freedom in so many other ways, gaining that time freedom, all of those ways to live a happier, healthier life. And money is a big part of that, isn't it? So I don't know if I was got, interrupted you before. Um if you're about no, to no, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're totally right there. And the whole <laughs> pressure to spend is massive yes. now. I mean, in yeah. days gone by, you only really knew what your close friends had or what your neighbours perhaps had. But now, you know what everybody's got because it's right there in your face and social media. Yeah. And suddenly you can be sitting just quite happily looking through social media and suddenly somebody's got a beautiful new outdoor eating area. Somebody else has just painted their living room grey. They've got new curtains. They've got new sofas. Somebody else is away on holiday. And you're sitting in your wee living room thinking, oh my goodness, why have I not got all this? And then the availability of credit is so, so simple. 
and you can sit in the privacy of your own home. You can quite easily get a credit card for a few thousand pounds at the click of a button and you can then spend that money. I mean, it's just so easy to get into debt and people shouldn't beat themselves up about that. But what, what we need to do is we need to become so aware of A, how we're triggered into spending and B, what we can then do when those triggers then take place. Because as soon as you become aware of yourself then getting excited about wanting to spend, it's about having something there that you go, right, okay, I've experienced this before. What will work for me? Going out a walk, putting down my phone, spending time with people I love, um, putting on like a 24-hour rule that I'm not actually allowed to buy anything until it's been in my basket for 24 hours. All these things can help you to avoid um, spending when you don't mean to spend because it's a huge issue. It really yeah, is. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a really holistic approach to um, this and, and the people that you work with, like taking the person as a whole. And it, it seems like you've kind of got their happiness at the, the center rather than anything else. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? And I think money is just one aspect of this um, aspect of our lives when we, if we pause and we're aware, and maybe even we have that five-year-old child in our ear going, but why, but why, but why? <laughs> why do you want that new product? Why do you want that new car? Why do you want the promotion even? Is it, you know, it, are the reasons genuine and, and are they aligned with your values, which seems very deep, but I think we're so, um, we're so nudged in the direction with money of just thinking it's a superficial thing and we don't need to think about it because it's so easy. That button is by now, isn't it now? You don't have to go through all of the, um, the different steps. I can't remember who it was that they didn't, they like invent that buy now button. And that's what just sent like Amazon and other Aye. companies, their profits through the roof, because you just took away the friction, didn't you? And so we're not conscious anymore of our spending decisions. Um, so I think I, I just, I think that's so important what you've, what you've said about the, the awareness, just thinking about it and then, Fair enough. If, if you want to spend your money on certain things because they bring you joy and happiness, then then by all means. But it's just having the awareness, isn't it? Yeah, no, totally. And <laughs> you're saying there about the buy, buy now button. You're absolutely right. You can think about something practically and it appears on your Facebook feed and then you can scary, go on. Uh -huh. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. You can mm. go on and click one button and you've got it. And then it gets delivered to your house and half the time you can even forget that you've actually ordered it because it's just click, click, click. And we need to become much more aware of ourselves and what makes us happy. And I love the fact that you mentioned that you feel that I'm focusing on helping people to be happier because that is exactly what it is. It's not about making people miserable by getting their money sorted. <laughs> it's about making people happier because they've got their money sorted. And you mentioned values. That is one of the other biggest things that someone can do to make them spend money that makes them happy. Mm. And it's a values makeover. And what I do with people is suggest that they pop online, find a list of values and start whittling them down until you get to three or four or five values that 
encompass who you are, what you love, what's important to you. Then, if you're really keen, get three months worth of bank statements. If you're not quite so keen, get a month's <laughs> worth of bank statements. <laughs> and then go through every single transaction and allocate it to one of those values. Mm-hmm. Or does it not meet with any of those values? And what you very, very quickly see is, oh my goodness, why am I spending on that? Because it means nothing to me. And it's then about analysing, right, why am I spending on that? Because it doesn't meet with my values. Is it because it meets with somebody else's values? Because they value having a new car or they value having big holidays or whatever, whatever it is. But it's about drilling down into what matters to you. And once you know what matters to you, you actually don't give a monkey's about (laughs) what anybody else is spending their money on because it doesn't matter. Because you genuinely realise that you're spending your money on the things that matter to you. And what you can then do is you can then make sure that you're 30%. So if you've been looking at your 50, 30, 20, you can then build a spending plan going forward rather than looking at it retrospectively. You build a spending plan going forward. That 30% of my money is spent on the things that matter to me. Mm-hmm. And then it's so easy not to spend another crap because you're 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 spending the money on the things that matter to you. Does yeah. that make sense? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But it, it's the um it's the big question, isn't it? The big, big life's question of, not a question, the big challenge is to not give a crap what other people think. That's the yeah. hardest part and yeah. money is a part of that. And I, I think even kind of smaller things, um, like going out at the weekend, how quickly can people spend so mm. much money, 100, 200 pounds going out the weekend because that's just what everyone else is doing. So I should probably yeah. do it too. Um, and I'm not judging people that like to spend their money by going out and, and having a good time. Fair enough. But um, sometimes, and I think that this has happened with me, certainly, where I've had a weekend and looked back and gone, that was not worth it in the slightest. And I know friends as well, friends and family that have, have spent money on weekends away or just out and thought, no, I, I regret that. Um Another thought I had when you said about the the bank statements, there there are some apps, I think, now, aren't there? Certain banks that they will, like, categorise your spending, won't they? Um, Which I think is really handy. I mean, what do you think of that? Did I see a grimace then? (laughs) Kind of, kind of, kind of. It's really, really good in the first couple of months. Right. And then you just ignore it. Because you you just kind of look at it, you look at the colours, you look at the things, you're like, all right, whatever. Whereas... If you actually go into your bank statement and actually write down every single transaction Mm. with a pen and paper, you then feel those transactions more. You then actually stop and think about them. Whereas when they're online, they become less attached to you. They become less a part of you. But if you've actually got to sit and write them down, you think about them much more deeply. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's a really good point. <laughs> um, and I'm going to think more carefully about if I use those apps and check it rather than 
just actually look at the statements. And you're right, because we are so detached. And I guess it's like the um, using contactless versus using cash. If we actually piled up the cash that we spent every month on coffee, you know, if I, if I did this yes. and piled up the coins that I'd spent on coffees in a month, I'd probably go, oh, maybe that's a bit much, Sam. <laughs> and I need to uh, have a few more coffees at home rather than going to the cafe. Um, it, it's well, interesting, isn't that disassociation? Yeah, no, it is. It is. And there was research done a number of years ago that showed that if somebody bought something on a credit card as opposed to a debit card, they were willing to pay twice as much for that item. Right. Which is just crazy. Um, And when it comes to contactless, there's not been any research done around that. But I think that that'll increase that even further because it just detaches you from your spending. Apple Pay, double click. I mean, how easy is that? I mean, it's Mm. it's just, yeah, it, it really, everything is removing you from being mindful of your spending. Yeah. And it just makes it so easy to spend money when you don't mean to. Yeah, definitely. And we want a more mindful world. That's what I'm trying to encourage with this podcast and yes. other things as well. We want yeah. to be more mindful, don't we? That is that is where the joy of life lies. So yeah, really interesting. Let's let's be more aware of how we're spending our money and thoughtful. So let's talk about how people are affected by money and and how people can worry about money. I mean, I guess this seems like an obvious statement to make the fact that people can worry about money but I guess you've got a very unique perspective in what you do um what can you tell me you know from from your experience and how money affects people and kind of the work you do with people to um address that I suppose well there's the there's the kind of obvious ones that the, the stress the lack of sleep the the relationship problems where Money is regularly in the top three reasons for divorce and for relationship breakup. So those ones are really, really obvious and they affect people um, all over the world. Mm-hmm. The ones that are slightly less noticeable are the ones that are emotional. So the mm-hmm. fear, the guilt, things like that affect people really, really deeply. Um, and people have fear around making decisions. They have fear around opening bank statements. They have fear around even tackling financial things because they feel stupid, because they feel that they don't understand things, because they feel they can't do it. And that holds them back and stops them from taking action. And that fear is a massive, massive problem that needs to be overcome. And that's why seeking support with your money is so important because everybody is capable of being really good with their money. Every single person is, but they allow that fear to stop them from taking action. Um, There's also the guilt that so many people Mm -hmm. feel, and teachers especially. Teachers are already feeling guilty because they're not spending time with their family because they work so flipping hard. Mm -hmm. So they've already got that guilt side of it there. That can often then lead to overspending because they don't have the time to spend with family. So they overspend and um, rather than maybe going and visiting parents, it'll be, well, I'll send mum a bunch of flowers. I'll send them them a voucher to go out for their dinner because I can't physically be there because I don't have the time and I'm too stressed. Same with children. 
overcompensate with children and buy them more things because of that guilty feeling. Um, and that that feeling then leads to more stress because we're then getting ourselves into debt over it. And it just, all of this leads to people feeling really bad about themselves and feeling that they are a bad person because they might be in debt, because they might not be doing the things that they would want to be doing for their family, because they've got this fear around money. So it then becomes a really, really negative place. And the worse you feel about yourself, the worse it all gets. And life just becomes really, really difficult to cope. So I talk a lot about financial well-being. And a lot of that is learning to love yourself more, which I know sounds crazy, but it's not. <laughs> it is about accepting that um, where you are and looking to see what you can do to move forward from there. And um, yeah, so there, there's so much around that. The financial well-being is so important and can just be transformative for for people's lives once we get that sorted out. Mm-hmm. And I don't worry, uh, learning to love yourself is a phrase I'm fully on board with. <laughs> um, for the, the two words you use, I think I, I wasn't expecting them, fear and guilt, but they, they make um, perfect sense. Um, yeah, fear and guilt. Oh, it's so tough. It's so tough for people. And the, the part that you mentioned about the feeling guilty and then kind of compensating is a really interesting point. And I think most children, family, friends, people usually want our time, don't they? That's the most valuable thing. It's not about the presents that we send or anything like that, the dinners that we go out on. People just want our time, don't they? And I, and I know that's very, um, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not judging anyone that sends presents or anything like that, but it's just, it's something to raise, isn't it? That people just want our time. And I know, like you said, teachers, um, people that work in school and many other people have a very push for time at the moment. Um, but I think it's, an, it's a, just a nice reminder to always put out there that people usually just want your time and they're not, not so bothered about any gifts that you might be sending them. It's all about, it's all about time and connection. Yeah, no, it is. And actually one of the things that I work with, um, one of the things that I work with teachers around is how you can use your money more effectively to buy you time. Mm. So, for example, I have a cleaner. I hate cleaning. Um, it took me a long, long time to feel comfortable about having a cleaner because it seemed posh, it seemed um, <laughs> lazy, it seemed that others might be judging me for it. But eventually I went, no, do you know, I much more appreciate having the time to do what I want to do in those hours. And I also appreciate having my house clean. Mm. And I also am giving somebody else an income. And therefore, to me, it's now a win-win situation and I'm not unhappy to tell anybody about it. But I encourage teachers to look at what they're doing with their time, with their money, and how they can get both of those things to work better for them, um, to create more time, to create more happiness, to create more freedom, fun, flexibility in life, all of the above. Yeah, love it. I love it. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like feeling... <laughs> feeling the guilt around getting a cleaner and thinking like you said that, that that means that you're lazy or something but it is just um it's it's a, a values thing again isn't it it's, yeah. it would align with your values if you want to spend your money on that so that it creates more time for you rather than the have much money on 
you know, a trip to the pub or something, then then fair enough. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could spend that money on clothes. I could spend that yeah. money on going out for dinner. But for me, I would rather not. I would rather spend that money on a cleaner because that works better for me. And I don't feel that I'm missing out in any way. I feel mm. actually quite happy because it is my money being spent on what matters to me. Yeah, 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 definitely. So um, are there any, what other kind of steps do you recommend to teachers to help manage their money? You've kind of touched upon a few, but I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to bring up at this point. Um, what else can, can you say about helping people manage their money? Well, I would give everybody three steps to manage mm. their money. And the first one is to become interested in learning to manage your money. Um, <laughs> so start following pages on social media, start listening to money podcasts. Um, I've got Your Money Sorted for Teachers Facebook group. Um, it's just start being interested. And it, there's so much out there that you can follow, so much good content. Um, you've got to be wary of some of the kind of get rich quick content because it's not good content but we're all um, professional people we should be able to um, establish the difference now but yeah be interested and I think for me podcasts is the way to go because mm. you can listen to them in the commute you can listen to them while you're walking the dog you can listen to them so we're, we're multitasking um, and that for me is a great time saver and there's there's loads of good content out there and obviously your money sorted podcast for teachers would be a good place to start um, but there are there's loads of different podcasts out there <laughs> the other two steps I have already mentioned so step two for me would right. be doing that 50 30 20 money makeover it genuinely is absolutely brilliant step three would be doing the values makeover that i mentioned as well because yeah. if you do those three things i guarantee you that you will begin to manage your money much more effectively um that for me they're three biggies those ones yeah yeah i love it and, and that's fine too to just repeat them all, all, all together those three steps it's great to hear them one after another um i think that's just such a practical takeaway that people can then go away and apply if they're tuning into this this podcast brilliant um so that kind of leads me into another question which is about building wealth um it's a dirty we, word, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, you know, coming from a family of teachers um, and and working kind of the public sector as well, other members of my family, it was, I guess, yeah, that, that is my um, relationship with, with wealth, like um, kind of cringing at that word and thinking, no, that's what, I don't know, that's what selfish people do. Just try and earn as much money as possible and build wealth. Like, who is that helping? You should be helping people all the time. Um, anyway, that kind of going off on a tangent no, there about no, my, you're my not personal going life story. Tangent. No, it's, that's it's a really really important point actually. And my my email to my um, newsletter group today, which I have just written, is entitled yeah. um, "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?" Right and. Um, I then went on to share my story that I used to be absolutely like if somebody said, do you want to be a millionaire? I'm like, absolutely not. No, because millionaires are greedy, selfish, horrible people. Um, and there is no way that I want to be somebody like that. Mm. But it's not true. <laughs> 
It's really not true. Uh, some millionaires are really horrible, greedy, selfish people, but lots of millionaires are not. And it's not actually based on how much money you've got. It's based on what type of person you are. And if you're the type of person who is a nice, generous, kind person, you'll be the same person with money that you are with no money. And we should all be getting more comfortable talking about wealth and not seeing wealth as being something that is only for other people and not seeing something as wealth as being a bad thing because wealth can be shared and wealth should be shared. And if you had a lot of money, would you do good things with it or would you keep it all? I imagine you would do good things with it. I think I would. I'd like to yeah. think I would, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, as I'm kind of building my business and things, I have got a wee bit more money than I used to have, but I make sure that I donate more to charity every month than I used mm. to because that's really important to me. Um, I make sure that when I'm employing people, I'm paying those people way, way more than minimum wage. I'm giving them more holidays. I give them Christmas bonuses. I make sure that I am sharing the money that I'm making and helping others as well with it. And I do feel that we need to get more comfortable with it mm. and just begin to realise that money doesn't make you a bad person. Um, it's, it's what's in here that makes you a bad person. Because the reason the reason that you need to become more comfortable with it is that if you continue to believe, and I don't mean you personally, if we continue to believe that having money is a bad thing, then we will subconsciously push all money away from us. We'll spend everything that we've got. We won't feel comfortable watching our savings grow. We won't feel comfortable building financial security and we'll continue to make decisions that actually affect us and our happiness and our well-being really badly because of the connotations that we've got of wealth in our head. What is mm. your thoughts around all of that? We rant. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, it was much needed for, from my point of view. I needed to hear that. It is something that I've thought about in the last, I don't know, maybe three, four, five years, um, kind of re-evaluating my relationship with money and wealth. Um and yeah, I, th I think that just absolutely needs to be said. And I completely agree with, with with everything. There are plenty of very wealthy people that do a lot of good in the world, isn't there? And I think I've even heard people talk about, it's almost like your obligation to build wealth, because if you build wealth, then you can give so much to yeah. other people and, and help people. Maybe obligation is not the right word, but um, it, it's just an interesting take on it. Um Yeah, so no, I, I think that was an important reminder. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> So now that we have reevaluated our relationship with wealth, um, I guess I, I always see that building wealth is something that entrepreneurs and investors do and not a teacher like myself. Like it's not ever going to be possible for me to build wealth as a primary school teacher. But I mean, well, what do you think about that, that statement? Is that yeah, true? no, it, it's really funny. I actually saw a post by Dave Ramsey, who is an American money guru, and he posted just the other day 
that the top five um, the top five jobs for people who are millionaires in America, teacher is in there. Really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other ones were accountant, um, lawyer. Can't remember what the other two were, but. <laughs> That is the the biggest proportion of millionaires are actually people who are in work rather than in businesses. Um, have you heard of Andrew Hallam, millionaire teacher? No. <gasps> oh, there's an episode with Andrew on Your Money Sorted um, podcast, and he is oh, he's absolutely super. He's brilliant. Look him up because yeah. Andrew. Um, realised early on in life he was speaking to a mechanic, funnily enough, who was a millionaire and the mechanic had said to him, he'd explained compound interest to Andrew mm. and Andrew was like, ooh okay, and I think he was 19 at the time or 20 early 20s or just 19 um, and this mechanic explained to him the benefit of investing early on and Andrew just got it and he mm. started investing as a young teacher so I, I did some calculations now if you had 200 pounds a month okay which I know is a massive amount at the minute but if you invested that for 30 years you would have invested 72,000 mm. if that was invested in the stock market and if the stock market performed as it has historically at around 7% a year, you would earn £173,000 in interest. Now, you've only paid in 72000 and you've earned one hundred and seventy-three. So you would end up after 30 years with 250000 for that £200 a month. Now, when you start, that £200 a month would be massive and it would require that commitment to go and put in that, it might then mean that when you were looking to buy a house, you couldn't buy as big a house as you might have otherwise been able to do. It might mean that you had to sacrifice meals out, nights out. There we were saying like it can easily be 100, 150, 200 quid in a night out. It mm -hmm. might mean sacrificing nights out, but in 30 years' time, so when you're 50, let's say you start when you're 20, when you're 50, you've got 250 grand sitting in the bank. Now, that then allows you the freedom to do what you want. You do not need to stay in teaching until you're 68. You can be looking at that going, well, if I took even £10,000 a year out of that, that's going to do me for 25 years. Mm -hmm. If I took 25,000 out of that, that's going to last me for 10 years. So if I'm not getting my state pension until 68, I could leave teaching at 58 and have that extra 10,000 on top of my reduced pension and live quite happily. So it's about starting to be interested early on in life and really making these decisions that can make huge differences to people. And I think in teaching, we are relatively lucky. Well, those of us who've got permanent contracts are relatively lucky. There's supply and there's a whole lot of things going on in teaching that are not good um, mm. and people are struggling. But if you've got a permanent contract, then if you can save some of that, 
and invest some of that, you can make a huge difference to the rest of your life. But what I really like about Andrew is Andrew's not building wealth for wealth's sake. Andrew is building wealth to create a happy life for him. And what him and his wife have now done is they had built up enough wealth to leave teaching. Um, and he was going to leave for a year. And then he left for another year and another year. And he's not going back. Um, he now travels around speaking to people and helping other teachers to grow their wealth. Um, but he is very much about values and about balance. And he's got a, a fabulous book called Balance, How to Invest and Spend for Happiness, mm -hmm. Health and Wealth. Um, and he's also got another book called The Millionaire Teacher. And he's just, is the loveliest guy. He's absolutely brilliant. When I first approached him to come on the podcast, I was so nervous because I've looked <laughs> up to him for so long. And I was like, oh, there's no way Andrew's going to want to come and speak to me. And Oh, he was just lovely. And he was like, he said, I can't believe what you're doing. I love what you're doing. He says, it's so important and it's wonderful. And oh, I came away from it just feeling, oh my goodness, this is this is fantastic. So definitely look up Andrew because he's, he's yeah. just brilliant. I oh, will do. Sounds like a great episode. I'll definitely be tuning in and I wonder if I can, if you can put me in touch as well. Maybe I'll have another guest yeah. on the podcast. To talk oh yeah, about no, definitely. Topic. Yeah, That'd no, be Andrew awesome. would be, I'm sure he would be interested. Great. But like the phrase, you know, we need to start showing an interest in interests, I guess, don't we? <laughs> and this is something that I, I wasn't taught um, when I was growing up. Um, I was kind of given some advice around investments that included um, what they call premium bonds. And it was just, it was a waste of money. It was just, you know, it, it sat there for years and just did nothing. And I look back now and think if I'd have put that money that I did put into premium bonds, into the stock market and, and maybe other avenues as well. If I'd have had yeah. that guidance and support at the time, then something much more would have accumulated. Um, of course, it doesn't pay to have any regrets and I've learned from that now. And, um, you know, I kind of will now pass that message on to my nieces and nephews to um, <laughs> think more carefully about where they're putting their money if they are saving it. But um, yeah, I mean, I wish I'd have spoken to you. I wish I'd have spoken to Andrew. 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah. And this is something that it, it needs to be taught, doesn't it? We need to be t telling children um, about oh, these teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Because there are other options, aren't there, rather than just, oh, just stick it in that safe bank account that's got that whatever X percentage ISA and, you know, it will just tick along nicely. It's like, no, that, that's not people People that are, are, are accumulating wealth. That's perhaps not the way they do it, is it? <laughs> And it's often as a as a result of good decision making, mm -hmm. rather than rather than having money. Often mm -hmm. people who are growing their wealth and becoming millionaires or just wealthy people are as a result of um, really really good decision making. The number of millionaires who actually inherit their wealth is actually very very small. I think it's less mm -hmm. than twenty percent. Um, and the others are people who have, have some will have got lucky, but others have worked really hard. Others have just made really, really good decisions and mm. small decisions made repeatedly. Like if you invest and if you set up a standing order for that to go away each month, you've only actually made the decision once and mm. then you don't even need to touch it. 
you just leave it and it just does it for you. So I think that, I, I, I think a route out of the poverty that many people are in just now is education and is helping people to make better decisions and to, to then be able to grow their wealth into a position where they're in a financially secure position. And um, we do need to invest in financial education for children in schools. It's being done. Um, there's a lot of good work being done. But to my way of thinking, an awful lot of the work being done is providing resources for teachers to then teach to children. And when you've got teachers who've got a bad relationship with money or perhaps don't understand the, the benefits of doing certain things, it's really difficult for them to generate enthusiasm and to generate the, the information that we need for children to understand. And it also puts way too much pressure on teachers because, well, we've all got more than enough to do without cramming everything else in, do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can't add that to the the never-ending list of what teachers should be teaching children. Ah, <laughs> uh -huh. no, I mean, it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. It really is. Yeah, it's tough. But like you said, it, it should be in education. Um, needs to be talked about um, a lot more. Um, yeah. Interesting. So much to think about. So much to think about. <laughs> we need to change the world. And maybe we this do. Conversation we has do. Made a little dent in it, and and I know your podcast and your work is certainly making a, a dent in it as well. Oh, brilliant! Um, so I've got one final question around the the topic of of financial well being, and that is, we've talked about the the very real fact that people might be struggling right now with their finances. And you have offered some excellent tips on how we might be more aware and then take steps to address that. But if there is anyone, I don't know, at crisis point or really looking for that um, other other avenues of support where they're really struggling, really not not sure where to turn. Are there any other resources, things that you would suggest? I, I know you've already suggested your podcast and other things. I don't know if there's any other um, charities, websites, things like that um, before I ask my final two questions of the episode. Yeah, so there's, there's education support, um, yeah. which which do help teacher with well-being, anxiety, stress, etc. They've got a few resources for finances mm. on their website that might be helpful. But literally, there are there are a few. They do, however, offer some hardship grants. So if someone's really struggling um, and struggling for money to pay bills and pay essentials, then education support might be worth looking into. They've also got a helpline. Um, so you can phone and speak to somebody um, if you are struggling. Mm. The unions also, a lot of the unions offer financial services that it tends to be more of a kind of insurance products and things like that, that they offer guidance around, some of them offer guidance around pensions, etc. But some of them do offer grants as well for people who are struggling. Um, I also did an event for the EIS in Scotland um, on financial well-being for teachers. So look out for things like that. Some of the, the unions might offer things like that for teachers as well. Um, I've got, as I said before, my Your Money Sorted Facebook group. Mm -hmm. uh, I offer free guidance and support and help in there. So people are welcome to pop along there and have a look. 
Um, I've also got free resources for people, um, such as I've got a 15-minute makeover. I've got an emergency fund challenge to help people to build an emergency fund. I've got a financial plan for leaving teaching. So if people are thinking about leaving teaching, but they're kind of held in there by the, the money side of it, then there's, there's guidance around that. There's a guide to becoming debt-free, so helping people do that, stuff like that. I also run a couple of free challenges throughout the year. Um, I've got a Maximise Your Money Challenge coming up in January, which is absolutely brilliant. It's a five-day challenge for teachers, and it's I run it free every year, and it's absolutely brilliant. Love it. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's some places. Citizens Advice as well. Mm. Um, it's not teacher-specific, but um, they do do have a lot of good advice on there. And if someone's in debt, Step Change is the best debt charity. Um, I really love the information that they share. And the important thing to note with that is that if you sign up to anything with Step Change, all the money that you pay towards your debt goes off to to pay your debt off. Whereas with some of these other companies who would perhaps approach you or who you would see in your Facebook feed, they actually earn money from you by setting up debt payment plans and things for you. And not all of your money goes towards paying your debt because half it goes towards the company. Not half, I don't know what percentage, but a lot <laughs> of it. Um, so yeah, that's some information. That's great. That, that was loads. And what I'll do is <laughs> I'll put the those websites that you mentioned and, of course, your links as well. I'll put all of those okay. in the show notes. Um, so if you're listening and want to find them, just have a little look there. Uh, Eileen, thank you so much for your time today. It's been um, a really, I think, useful conversation. Um, so I really, really appreciate your time. Um, as you know, I like to finish off the episode with a couple of questions. Now, one of the questions is around your three tips. And, and, and I don't know if your three tips from earlier, are they your three tips or is there anything else you would like to um, add just in general? But if not, it's absolutely fine. Yeah. So my three tips to thrive are one, find support. That's so important. Right. Two, do the money makeover, 50, 30, 20, see where you are. And three, listen to the Your Money Sorted Teachers podcast. That would be my three tips <laughs> to thrive, honestly. Fantastic. And then the final question that I ask every guest is, what is that one lesson that you wish you had been taught when you were a child? It's funny because it comes back to what I talked about, touched on earlier on, and it was to love myself more because I think... I've held myself back in life so much by being so hypercritical of myself and not allowing myself to just get out there and, and do things because I always beat myself up for not being good enough. And probably the reason I'm sharing that with everybody here is because I think that is so common in teachers. Um, and I think we're all too guilty of being almost perfectionist and we stop ourselves from from moving forward because we maybe aren't getting it right. We maybe don't know everything. And whereas if we just loved ourselves a little bit more, trusted ourselves a little bit more, then we could we could get ourselves out there. And I'm learning slowly, learning slowly, but I still don't like listening to myself on podcasts. I don't like seeing myself on screen. And um, yeah, 
yeah, that that has held me back from making progress with my business. Mm. This is why I love this conversation because instantly people kind of open up and share something that's usually not related to the topic of the episode <laughs> at all. Um, but that's what it's all about. Um, but I think you absolutely should be completely confident in how you look on screen and how you're talking because it's it's all good. Don't worry. Oh, thank <laughs> and, you. <laughs> um, and what else was I going to say? Well, the 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 answer that you gave about kind of being a bit more forgiving with yourself and, and liking yourself more is actually something that's come up with with previous guests as well. Um, I think it's a it's a common theme and something that we all need to bear in mind to be a bit more gentle with ourselves. And a previous guest on this podcast, Dr. Joe Oliver, Oliver talked about. Um, remembering the 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 idea of being good enough like about what is it good enough you know as a as a mum as a dad as a teacher as a brother sister whatever it is like just good enough is is enough is plenty and we don't have to be this outstanding superhuman all the time um amazing amazingly produced podcasts and videos yeah. and things i'm uh, it's something that i'm thinking about a, a lot more now um is this post good enough or was that slight little spelling mistake that's going to really bother me no it's good enough i'm going to put it out there <laughs> yeah and i i have done that as well and i use the mm. phrase good enough is good enough and it, yeah. it, but it's taken me a long time to get there mm. as well and it's so important because if we continue to use the perfectionist tendencies then the content doesn't get out there and what you and I are doing yeah. is important and people need to hear it and we need to get over ourselves and get that information out there because even if it does have a spelling mistake in it which is my worst nightmare because teachers well they always pick up on it don't they my yeah. mother was an English teacher so I was always taught to make sure that it was grammatically correct and oh but even that's quite challenging sometimes so yes, I, I hear you with the spelling mistakes thing, um, but it is important to get that content out there to help people. So yeah, we just need to accept that good enough is good enough. Yeah, definitely. And teachers looking on Twitter, be a bit more, be a bit kinder to people that get your and your mixed up. It's all good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just, just teachers on Twitter in general, be a bit kinder. <laughs> That's another In conversation, general. isn't it? Uh -huh, yeah. yeah, no, it totally is. I'm sometimes <laughs> horrified at some of the things that are said on Twitter. Oh, However, man. yes, that is another conversation. <laughs> Right, Aline, thank you again so much for your your time. Um, I can't say goodbye to you though before you unless you tell us the, the links where people can collect collect connect with you. I will put them in the show notes, but please just quickly share um your your Twitter, Facebook, social media kind of handles and website as well. Yeah, so I'm just at your money sorted um on social media and yourmoneysorted.co.uk is my website and Your Money Sorted Teachers podcast as well. You can find me on all the usual podcast channels. Perfect. Is it channels? Thank you. Podcast channels? Podcast. Yeah, we'll go with channels. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's been a real pleasure, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to staying in touch and putting this episode out there. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Sam. I've really enjoyed chatting to you today. It's been great. Cheers, bye. Thank you for tuning in to my conversation with Eileen Adamson. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with friends, family and colleagues. You can also support the show by hitting the like button on the episode, following the show and rating the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Thank you again. And I look forward to bringing you another episode of the Teach Strong podcast soon.